to 1 Kings, the third chapter. This would be a good time to turn your cell phones off, your beepers, your pagers. Unless it's your wife, then you might better answer it. Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, is that a new truck? Is that your truck, that red truck out in the parking lot? Whose truck is that? Leanne, that's a beautiful. When did you get that? Well, your mom needs to give it to me for my birthday because I would definitely drive that. That is a nice truck. That is a nice truck. Three guys were on a business trip flying a private plane across the ocean. There was a horrible storm, blew them off course. They crashed. The plane was trashed, but they made their way to a desert island, and there for months they learned how to survive. One morning as they were eating breakfast, they looked out in the ocean, and there appeared to be a bottle floating. One swam to the bottle, brought it back to shore, took the cork out of the bottle, and from the bottle came a genie. The genie looked at the three of them and said, usually I give one person three wishes, but since there's three of you, I'll give each one of you a wish. The first guy said, you know what? I love my wife. I love my kids. I haven't seen them for months. I love them. I wish that I was back with them. Poof, gone. The second guy said, man, I miss my girlfriend. We were going to get engaged. I miss, I miss being around her. I've been away from her for months. I wish I was back with her. Poof, he was gone. The third guy said, you know, I don't have a wife or a girlfriend, but already I miss those two guys, and I wish they were back. <laughs> now, if I have to explain that joke, we're in trouble. <laughs> if I have to explain that joke, we are in trouble. First Kings, the third chapter. I'm going to read just lengthy today. I rarely do this, but this morning I want to read a little uh, a lengthy. And the king, this is Solomon went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon the altar. These were either sheep or calves. Over a thousand animals, Solomon sacrifices to the Lord. And if you mentally go there and see the animals and see each one of them being sacrificed, it was quite a statement by Solomon to God. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy. Accordingly, he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for them this kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant instead of David, my father, and I am but a little child. Notice the humility there. I know not how to go out or to come in. It would be easy this morning for me to teach upon this passage for several minutes and not identify this statement, but I want to identify this statement early in this message that Solomon did not know how to go out or how to come in. It's obviously obvious that Solomon had a problem with doorknobs, tough time going out, tough time coming in, but his father David had learned how to go out and come in. And I want to share this very early in this thought this morning that we are at war. There is a war going on that's been raged against you. It's not a fair war. It's a war where the enemy does just cheap tricks against us and constantly trying to harass and tr constantly trying to frustrate 
and sometimes we blame the devil for stuff that we actually have done on our own without his help. I remember Flip Wilson had an angel on one shoulder and a demon on the other, and Flip would say, the devil made me do it. But I think that when we get to heaven and we see Satan cast out and cast into the lake of fire, the Bible says we are going to be amazed at how scrawny and how small in stature that he is. Matter of fact, Ezekiel 28, the Bible says the kings marveled that this was the one that caused so much damage and so much hurt. And a lot of times we give the enemy far too much credit and we, get, and we sometimes make our way far too difficult. But the word declares that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And this morning, if God allows, I want to teach you how to go out and how to come in. As we leave this sanctuary today and maybe even before this service is over, we are going to encounter mental battles. As we leave this building and we begin to associate with people and with circumstances, there are going to be things that irritate us. There are going to be things that frustrate us. There are going to be things that are going to be tempting. There are going to be areas of our life where the enemy is going to try to overwhelm us. The Bible says the trick of the enemy in the last days, according to Daniel, is that his purpose will be to wear out the saints of the Most High God. And you may have a frustrating job. You may have a, a uh, anemic car, uh, you might be struggling in a relationship, maybe your wife and I or your, your husband, maybe you've hit a place where there's just a little snag, or maybe you're just at a place in your life where you're not sure what your destiny, what your purpose is, that's all a part of the battle. The majority of the battle that we fight will be in the mind as the enemy tries to insaturate us or infiltrate us with negative thoughts or negative statements and sometimes negative people. I learned a long time ago from the owner-operator of War Instruments, who for several years in a row has been awarded uh, Best Instrument. That's over Yamaha, Gibson, and PV. Just a first-class guy, a first-class company, first-class business. Used to travel with me, but early in, in our relationship, he taught me. He said, Hank, I have decided to hang around people that celebrate me, not tolerate me. And, you know, there is a difference. There's a difference being around people that just tolerate you, put up with you. They disdain you. They act like they're better than you. And that's one of the seven things that God hates. God hates pride. He hates when we feel like we're better than someone else. We play somebody down or we burn somebody or hurt somebody. And, and I have learned if I'm going to spend quality time with people, I want to spend quality time with people that I like and that I enjoy. Can anybody relate? Who wants to hang around with someone that, that uh, is negative or critical or, or assertive that, that you're not as good as them or, or you're, not, you're not like them? And that just gets old quick. And I'm glad that we have the ability to choose our friends. Aren't you glad that you have the ability to choose who you sit next to this morning? And obviously there is some friendship, some kind of connection there. Let me go ahead and read. I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude, millions of people. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge the people that I may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this day thy so great a people. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing, and not ask for, let me just stop right there, and if I may do a, a, 
a, a visual here. It's almost as if God handed Solomon Aladdin's lamp with the ability to rub it and to make three wishes. Can you see that? That God allows Solomon to request some things that he desires. I'm going to ask Gene to come and help me. I'm going to ask Angel to come and help me. I'm going to ask Johnny to come and help me. If you would just come. This is unrehearsed. This is unplanned. Uh, Johnny. Come on, Johnny. If you will have a seat, doesn't matter what order that you have the seat. But this morning, I want to do a little, a little illustration, and I want to encourage our panel. This is our panel of those they've come to seek. Some, they're here this morning for a reason. Hopefully, they come to receive something that will bless them and encourage them, something that will minister to them to make them stronger than when they came in. But I want to, I want to ask this panel to be very candid, very open, very honest, and the first thing that comes to your mind, that's the thing that I want you to declare. But I'm going to ask you this morning, if you had the ability to ask for anything that you could get, anything that you could have, and there were three things that you could ask for, we're going to hand the lamp to Gene's going to go first, and then Johnny will go second, then Angel will go third. No, let's, let's do it backwards. Let's go Angel first, Johnny second, and then uh, just, just, a, and so, and so this is, this is unedited uh, this is unwarranted. This is unsolicited. We did not plan this. I have absolutely no idea what they have to say. If they say the wrong thing, this sermon is going to bomb, crash and burn right here at this moment, and we will leave at 1240, 1140, and go home and eat dinner. But I'm going to allow Angel, the first three things, if you will, hold your, and just kind of rub it a little bit, expectation. Okay, three things, yes. Three things. If you could ask anything that you want, what are the three things you would ask for? Okay, one. Two. And find it. Finding it's always good. There you have 105. There's the three things that he asked for. Now, John, if you will take that and you'll rub and expect, expect your, your request to be answered, what are the three things that you would ask for today? Fulfill her purpose. That's a, that's a, good, that's a good one. Sure, absolutely. Financially to be set for life. Who would like that? Is that not a good, a good one? Good, good. Interceding for a family. Those are those are three good ones. Okay, Gene, if you'll. Miss Universe contestant here. Joy, that's excellent. Yeah. 
healing for the sick. How, how could, he's had time obviously to sort out and, and to think. Would you give these three a hand for helping me this morning? And I do need to say on Angel's defense yesterday coming out of the woods, I did tell him what I was going to do, and I asked him to be very, very absurd. So don't think Angel is carnal. That those were I asked him to, to set it off kind of in, in that kind of pace. But if I were to hand this lamp to you, and you were to able, and let me change the wording a little bit that I didn't share with the three, and you were able to ask God for anything you wanted him to do in your life, three things that you would ask God to do, what would be those three things? I'm surprised Angel didn't uh, wish that one day George would actually win some kind of title and some kind of Super Bowl or whatever that's all about. I wouldn't laugh too loud. Tennessee didn't do very well yesterday either. So there you have it. But aren't you glad that our future does not rest upon who wins the game? Hello. Aren't you glad our future does not rest upon the bad decision that we made in life, that we have the ability to turn them around? I was sharing with Aaron yesterday, several years ago in uh, Portland, Oregon, I was speaking at a Church of God youth camp, and God gave me a word that in that, in that window, 30-some-odd years, uh, that sermon that God gave me has been preached in all kinds of churches, all kinds of conferences. Sometimes I get the credit, sometimes I don't. It's not really that important. But the thing that I was sharing with Aaron is this. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, will cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. In the past several years, I have changed the wording to say this. Drugs will take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. And that's why we believe in the divine touch of God in our lives, that if we begin to ask God for things that relates to us, let me tell you something, God, God wants even more for you to be clean. God wants you to be filled with his presence, his hope, his favor, his blessing. There is a myriad, there's a plethora of things that God wants to do for you if you'll simply just, that song says, give it, give it all, give it all to Jesus, give every single bit to him. And when you do, he begins to work in those areas of your life. Let me read just a little further. Give, therefore, verse 9, thy servant an understanding heart to judge the people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this day so great a people. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked these things. And God said to him, because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked thyself for long life, Neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor asked for the life of thy enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, that there is none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there should not be any king among a king like you, unto all thy days. And if thou will walk in the way to keep thy statues and my commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. What a, what a, what a story here in the Bible where God speaks to a man, Solomon. Bathsheba was Solomon's mom. And before Bathsheba died, she made David promise that he would appoint her son to be king. And it was the request of a mother. And I thought that was so powerful, the power of a woman. 
the request of the, mo of the mother to her husband, David. Most of you know the relationship started out real rocky. They had a son out of wedlock. The son died. Uh, I, I preached a sermon one time on a son with no name. He was not named. We don't even have a name for him. He lived eight days, and then he died, and David repented, turned his heart back towards God. David married Bathsheba and had a son, and that was Solomon. The Bible declares that Sol Solomon was the wealthiest and the wisest man that ever lived. That's quite a statement. And we, we, we look at the book of Proverbs. We look at the book of Ecclesiastes. We look at the Song of Solomon. Three books of the Bible are attributed to him and to his wisdom. And we daily live by the Proverbs. Whether we realize it or not, we daily live by the Proverbs that God gave him for us. The statement, if you want to be something you've never been, then you've got to do something you've never done. That comes from Proverbs. The statement that says when it's raining, you're supposed to come in out of the rain, that comes from Proverbs. Very practical and then very spiritual application. So obviously God had laid his hand upon Solomon and then blessed him. And Solomon's number one request to God is that I don't have the, the knowledge, I don't have the ability to go out, and I don't have the knowledge or the ability to come in. As we go out, we know that we are going to war and we know there are going to be circumstances and obstacles that are going to try to hurt us and try to mess us up. But the good thing that God gave David, David was a psalmist. He wrote songs. He sang them unto the Lord, probably started his ministry out in the wilderness, taking care of a bunch of sheep. Taking care of a bunch of sheep was boring. There wasn't a whole lot to do. David had a lot of idle time. And two things he did, he perfected the bow. I'm sorry, he perfected the sling. And he perfected his praise. When he was called or when he volunteered to go against Goliath, if you can imagine running at a giant of a man with the sling and slinging that sling and having that rock hit that giant right between the eyes, which was the only area that he was vulnerable, and seeing that giant crash and burn, David had killed the lion, David had killed the bear. And there are a lot of us today that are battling our lions, we're battling our bears, and as we successfully win that battle, God brings a giant into our life. But when you realize that you have the ability to take on a lion and a bear and your, your attitude is going to be, this giant, this giant is nothing because he comes to me in his name, but I come against him in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, and he will deliver him into my hand. I like that because David realized that everywhere he went, there was an, he was accompanied by two of the heavenly hosts. We know that God's angels are warring angels. We know that they're the ones that in the heavenlies will take on demonic entities. We know that our prayer energizes our angels. Our praise energizes our angels. Our worship energizes our angels. And there is an enemy that, that has come against us. And I want Aaron to come. And I want Aaron to help me, if he will. If you'll come, Aaron, this morning is going to be the devil. Now, Aaron has given his heart to the Lord. Aaron's being restored. He's healthy. The Lord's blessing him. I just want you to kind of stand right here. There is, there is an enemy in the unseen corridors of time that you cannot perceive or see, but he's there. He is king of all the demons of the earth, and he petitions those demons to certain strongholds and certain places in life. And if you'll begin to travel as I have traveled, you will notice that every city has a different stronghold. The spirit of Knoxville, when I pull into Knoxville, I immediately feel the spirit of Satanism. There are more satanic churches in Knoxville than any other city of America. When we went to El Paso and we did a meeting there, I was immediately overwhelmed by the spirit of the occult. 
The Santeria is one of the largest cults in El Paso, Juarez, Texas, Juarez, Mexico. They cross the border. That's a stronghold. Every city has a particular stronghold. The city of Cleveland is a stronghold of spiritual pride. Everyone claims to go to church. Everyone claims to love God. Everyone claims, and you know, you know the rest of that story. But that's what he does. He's only one devil. He can't be everywhere at once. Right now, he's probably located somewhere over the area of Persia, which is Iran and Iraq divided. He's got a stronghold there in the heavenlies, and he's trying his best to keep Jesus from returning from heaven with the saints of God to put his foot on the Mount Olive for the river, for the kingdom of God to be established. That's what he's trying to stop. But let's say just for, just for a moment that he's here this morning to harass you. He's here this morning to distract you. He's here this morning to frustrate you. He's here this morning to overwhelm you. He's here this morning to give you a chair called worry. A rocking chair called worry. It gets you nowhere, accomplishes nothing, but gives you something to do. He wants to mess with your mind. He wants to put others before you and show they're better than you. They're better looking than you. They've got more talent than you. They've got more gifts than you. That's all the lie. He is a father of lies. And if he's coming against your mind and you feel it in your spirit, know it's a lie because he doesn't know how to tell the truth. The first entity to quote the Bible in Genesis 3, he misquoted it. If you'll read the quote, he misquoted the Bible. The first one to quote the rhema word of God was the devil, and he misquoted it. When he took Jesus up upon the mountain, he misquoted it. He can't understand truth. He cannot understand the anointing. He cannot understand favor. But he cringes when he hears the name Jesus. He cringes when he hears the smallest child praying in the name of Jesus. The Bible says that demons tremble at the mention of his name. That's why we mention his name. That's why we go to God in his name. That's why we ask for things in the name of Jesus. There's power there. But David realized that there was an enemy at work. He knew all of that, but he knew also that everywhere he went, there were two angels called goodness and mercy that followed him every single place he went. Brother Keith, I want you to come and be goodness. And Brother Todd, I want you to be mercy. David knew that. I think about that. The goodness of the Lord and the mercy of the Lord follows you every single place you go. If you go to Walmart, goodness and mercy are following you. If you go to the hospital, goodness and mercy are right there with you. When you go to the house of God, goodness and mercy are with you. And when you encounter the enemy, the Bible says none of us have the ability to withstand him on our own. The Bible says that. But when you encounter by the enemy, the Bible says that goodness and mercy steps in front of us and overwhelms and, over and restrains the devil from hurting and hindering. Do you see the picture this morning? Thanks, guys. When you leave this place this morning, you're not leaving alone, but you're leaving with the angels of goodness and mercy. And may I say that going out and coming in, as you go out to battle, as you come back in, it is a window of worship. When you begin to worship God, he comes to where you're at. Now, a lot of people think that God lives at church. A lot of people think we come to church, we see Jesus, we leave the church, and Jesus stays in the church. That's probably because a lot of us probably grew up with a pastor that when you went to that little church, he was in the lobby shaking your hand saying, hey, how was your week? Come on in. We're going to have a good time. And then when you left, he was back at the door shaking your hand saying, hey, have a good, have a good week. We'll see you next week. Maybe we will. 
maybe we won't. And then he shut the door. And most of you thought the pastor lived at church. You thought that was his house and that was where he lived. And a lot of us treat Jesus the very same way. When we come, we come to meet Jesus. When we leave, we leave Jesus at the door. We say, come on, Jesus. She said, no, already been out there. Ain't going out again. Going to stay right here. We're safe and cozy. And a lot of us have that mindset that when we go to the house of God, we go there to meet Jesus. We do not. When we go to the house of God, we take Jesus with us. We take his presence with us. And we leave with his presence. And we leave with his goodness and his mercy and all the things attached to that. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation for that? So the going out is a military term for war, and coming in is a scriptural term for worship. And things begin to happen when you begin to worship God. When you begin to worship God, there should be a divine connection made that morning. In, in, when you go into the house of God, let me say this as carefully as I can. Like the breastplate of, of the high priest, there are buttons in your spirit. And there are buttons that God has the ability to push. No one else can push those buttons. You can push the button of laughter. You can push the, 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 the button of eating something good, satisfying yourself. Those are buttons that you control and maintain. But there's a button on the inside of you that only the Spirit of God can press. And when you step into a, a, uh, uh, a community, when you step into a community worship where many are worshiping and Many are praising. When you step into that, the Bible says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, why? You're alive. You're not dead. You made it. Look at somebody said, I've been to hell and back. I didn't stay there. God came to where I was and delivered me out of my hell, and now I'm back. And when you come into the house of God, and this happens a lot of times with people who don't know the Lord, who don't have a personal relationship with the Lord, that when they come in into worship service like we had this morning, God pushes a button and there's a hunger there. At first, it's a little bit of fear because the Bible says that the, the knowledge of the Lord is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. So there's a respect and there's an awe and there's a fear. And there have been times, not necessarily in this house, but I grew up in a radical Pentecostal church of God that, I mean, they ran the aisles. They literally ran the aisles, and people chased them. Two or three would run the aisles at once. I watched somebody run the back of the pews, and I'll, I'll share this story. I was in somewhere in Virginia, Roanoke, Virginia, preaching at a great church, and uh, they had just had an evangelist, and I won't tell you who the evangelist's name was, but he went to run the pews of that beautiful church of God and did not know that the fifth or sixth pew was not bolted to the floor. I'm telling a true story. He ran, and when he got to the fifth pew, he lost it, ate it, and broke his arm in the church. I have watched them do the chicken peck. I've watched them sling bobby pins. I've watched them lay on the altar and weep and cry and watch one man um, just overwhelmed by his sin, crawl from where he was on his knees to the, to the altar of God. Crazy things can happen in a Pentecostal church, and there are a lot of times that we can go to a church like that and be terrified. 
and say, I'll never act like that. I'll never do that. Be careful what you say you will never do because you're going to be the very one that God is going to demonstrate his glory and power on you. And you might do the chicken peck. You might do the scream. You might do the yell. You might do the crawling on the altar. But when you get around God's people, there's a song that says, I love the feel that I love the thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. There should be something happening when you begin to communicate with one another in the worship and in the praise. There should be a button that God touches. And at first it's overwhelming. At first it's frightening. And at first it's it's just it's just it's it's crazy. And so I'll never go back there again. I'll never do that again. But a hook has been set and you, a seed has been planted in your heart and spirit, then God will begin to water that seed. And the next thing you know, you can't wait till Sunday morning so you can come into the house of God and be crazy. But let me tell you something. You don't leave your craziness here. You can get in your car, turn on the radio, get some worship going, and be crazy running down the road. You can get crazy with the vacuum cleaner. You can let your vacuum cleaner begin to do expressive dance, and you can twirl that vacuum cleaner, begin to sing in tongues and worship in tongues. You don't have to just come to church to get crazy. You can be crazy wherever you are because where two or three gather in his name, there he is in the midst of them. Let me tell you, two or three that are gathered right now, the Father is gathered, the Son is gathered, and the Spirit is gathered. There's three right now in agreement with you that wherever you go, God is. You don't need a church. You don't need a song. You don't need an organ. But it's nice when you do have a song, a church, and an organ. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation. If you will go with me. No, I don't want to go there. Let's conclude. This will be my only conclusion. We're not going to circle the waiting for the runway to open. We're going to go ahead. We're going to land this plane. You can write this down and trust me. It's there. Ezekiel 46 and 9. It says this. If you come in by the north entrance... Leave by the south entrance. If you come in at the west entrance, leave at the east entrance. And what God is trying to tell us there, that you will not leave the way you were when you came in. Actually, I wrote a couple of things out about that. Let me say it again. You will not leave the way you were when you came in. If you came in tired, you leave refreshed. If you came in sick, you leave healed. If you came in lost, you leave found. If you come in hurting, you leave healthy. That is the expectation that we put on God when two or three are gathered in his name. And there needs to be somewhere in that worship, somewhere in that word, somewhere in that offering, there should be something in your heart and spirit that clicks and you realize, I am a better man today because of what I was just involved in. I'm a better person today based upon what I just learned. I'm gonna leave this place knowing there's a war. I'm gonna leave this place knowing that goodness and mercy are with me. I'm gonna leave this place knowing that God really does care about me he really does and the best way to to describe how god cares about you 
and how God watches over you is to share a scene from Happy Days. Most of us are aware of Rich and Cunningham. Richard was kind of a kind of a nerd, kind of a just kind of a skinny, wasn't all that all that strong, all that good of a fighter. And there was one particular setting where uh, Richie had encountered two bullies. They had him by the coat. They pushed him up against the wall, and they acted like they were going to beat him up. But all of a sudden, guess who came around the corner? The Fonz. Hey. What's going on here? Nothing, Fonz. We were just straightening his coat. <coughs> and the enemy tries to push you in a corner, tries to grab you and throw you up against the wall and make threats. Jesus is close by saying, hey, what's going on here? Oh, nothing, Jesus, nothing. We're out of here. We are out of here. We're not hanging around. We're done. He's yours. We won't mess with him because of the power of your name. You've got to know that in every single area of your life. If it's a traffic moment, if it's a job moment, if it's a marriage moment, God will make the difference in all of those areas. And you know what is so crazy? What happens is when we decide to take Jesus to the two or three. And this is a, this is a revelation that I felt like God gave me yesterday. And uh, I don't want to pick on Jay, but Jay, if you every morning brought Culpepper and brought Gene into the office and said, guys, let's just have a word of prayer real quick. Let's just pray. We have a safe day, no injuries. And let's pray that God brings us business from the north, south, east, and west. And begin to pray that prayer every morning. Two things would happen. It would create a level of respect for Jay because he's not afraid to pray and call upon God. And also bring a, 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 an array of blessings because God will honor Jay's prayer. Hot Rod, I don't want to embarrass you, but if every morning when you got to bed, you took Tony by the hand and said, hey, I want to pray right now for you. I want to pray for your mind. I want to pray for your heart. I want to pray for blessings upon our life, blessings upon our marriage, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Hot Rod, if you were to pray that, you would literally freak her out, and she would start reading books on how to be a more submissive wife, how to cook the best roast of potatoes. I mean, you, you never know what, I, and obviously I'm, I'm teasing, but you never know what your impact is going to be on someone else. The guys will tell you, we do not go in the woods without a word of prayer. Now, so far this year, one of our prayers, God has not answered. The other prayer he has, when we've asked for safety and a safe hunt, a good hunt, it's been that. But when we ask him to harvest one of his creatures, he has not submitted. And so, therefore, I don't know if there's sin in Gene's life or Aaron's life or Jay's. I'm not sure which one is messing up our prayer. But I do believe with all my heart that, that we can change the environment we can change the atmosphere where they watch the jokes you laugh at. They watch what you say when you hit your hand accidentally. They watch what happens when you have a flat. They're watching your life. And when they see Jesus revealed through you, it pushes a button that you can't push. It's a button that only God can push. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Just serve the Lord doing the right thing. People get hungry. They see your life. They want what you have. And you need to have the ability to know how to give it to them. Shall we pray? Thank you for this season. Thank you for this day. We are aware there's.